Let's talk about Riverside.fm, the leading podcast and video creation platform that's changing the game on how creators record content. Riverside.fm allows you to record studio quality audio and up to 4K video on their platform. Now you can interview a guest a thousand miles away and it'll sound like you're sitting in the same room. It's as easy to use as Zoom, but gives much higher quality audio and video recordings. Did we mention that they have a mobile app? This allows guests to connect directly from their phone and record content from anywhere. After your content is finished, you can easily grab clips to share them across your social media channels. So if you're looking for a hero platform for all your recording needs, from podcasts to webinars to other video content, you should be using Riverside FM. Sign up today so you can focus on your content and leave the quality to Riverside FM. Use promo code SHIPIT and receive a 30% discount on your first three months of your subscription. That's promo code SHIPIT to receive a 30% discount on the first three months of your subscription. Back to the show. Welcome to another episode here of the Giant Take Podcast. I am Josh, and I am joined by my co-host, Alex. Once again, to the people who know, who don't know, um, I'm in Florida. I'm moving my way towards the Miami Pro Day. Going to arrive 10 minutes late. 10 minutes, 10 days late at this rate. Uh, I said that in the mock draft video. I'll say it again. But, um, yeah, different setup. Uh, if you haven't already, please go check out uh, we just released it today, I think, episode. And, I mean, if you're watching this, this episode should be up the same day as we released our first-round NFL mock draft. There are 1.0 um, on the Giant Take YouTube. So if you want to go check that out, we had Micah Parsons going to the Giants at 11. Please go check out who else we had throughout the whole entire draft because it was a tough draft to make, um, but we were able to do it. I got a little bit more lighting. We fixed around that. I was pretty dark late, uh, yesterday. Or well, yesterday when we recorded it, it came out today. Um, but now we're good and let's get to Alex who, if you're listening is with me, if you're watching once again, is to my left, Alex, how are you doing? I'm doing good. You know, we're here third episode that we're doing video as well as audio. So that's kind of, you know, we're getting more used to it. We're more comfortable now, but there's some giants news. Obviously this week's been all about the pro days, um, at least in the NFL. Um, there's been, you know, a few minor free agency, uh, news, um, that we'll talk about as well, but a lot of it is just getting close to the draft. The draft, when we're recording this, is April first, um, and we're less than a month away from mm. the start of the 2021 NFL draft. So that's really exciting. Draft time is pretty much one of my favorite times of the year, besides the actual season. Um, so I'm excited for that. And really, this season it's a lot of fun because um, you know, as much as last season was interesting, when yeah, we didn't really cover it because we kind of started right during the draft, actually, this podcast. But it's last year was kind of more obvious who we were going to take. There was really only two options, and one of the options was much more likely than the other option. And it was more like which tackle were we going to take? That was pretty much the whole uh, thing there. But now we're looking at it. There's so many different players we could take at this number eleven spot, so it's really exciting. Yeah, it is really exciting, Alex. And I remember our first episode coming uh, after the first round, I believe, of the NFL draft. And 
we um we uh we, we've come a long way since then so i think it'll be fun we'll be celebrating our one year anniversary soon alex very exciting yeah. stuff um, don't go but... listen to that episode by the way please do not go listen to that episode <laughs> we, we said that since the, like the beginning you know looking back don't go listen to the first episode but yeah that was um that was that, those were the days um but anyway i guess i guess we'll move on um we'll start off with our first set of news and that's the pro days uh giants have been to a few different pro days i think we mentioned in the first round mock draft video uh, that they went to miami especially to look at gregory Rousseau. i think joe judge was there um so the Giants staff have attended the USC, BYU, and Virginia Tech Pro Days, as well as the Miami Pro Day recently. Um, and, and I'm sure there's a few other ones in there that we might have missed in, in that. But um, just some stuff to, to mention. Obviously, it does kind of suck um, with missing the NFL scouting combine. Excuse me, I was thinking about the name for a minute there. Uh, it, you know, I mentioned it when, when they officially canceled it or whatever you want to say, postponed it. Uh, obviously canceled because the players are not doing it. It just sucks because there's all this, these stuff that uh, they do um, and we just don't have that. So that kind of sucks. Another thing, I believe the Giants also attended Florida's pro day, um, which had Kyle Pitts there and he was very, very, very good in his pro day. Um, Had a very nice, I think 4.4 time on the 40 yard dash and just exciting stuff. He's a wonderful player. Um, and we had him taken early in the mock draft. So if you want to check out that video and it's also on the giant take.com blog section that I, I forgot to mention, I'll probably mention the end of this episode, but it took over the blog for this week. Instead of writing a blog, we have all of our analysis of why we took the players there. Well, you know, whatever it was. Um, so if you want to go check it on the giant take.com or watch the video of it, where we do the draft, Alex, I mean, your thoughts on the, on these pro days, not really much just to mention, but something, you know, I just wanted to bring up. Yeah, I mean, the pro days are definitely different. When you look at those like 40-yard dash numbers, you can never really take them seriously. They're not measured by a common person like the combine is. It's not a common system. Each school is going to make their players look better. You know, you got to take all these things with a grain of salt. Kyle Pitts probably didn't run a 4-4. He probably ran close to a 4-5. I, I don't know who else. You know, I, I'm trying to think of who else had a really good 40 time. Jam, uh, Jamar Chase, he ran what, a 4-3-8 a or something. I doubt he actually ran a four three eight. Justin Fields ran a four four. He's quick, but not that quick. So, uh, you know, maybe I'm wrong, but I think some of these numbers are definitely inflated. Just all false info to Alex. Just not taking anything in. Just rejecting everything. It's not nothing's true. Yeah, and also I feel like those things are kind of a little bit silly in some stance for it because when you're running the forty yard dash, you don't have hel- You don't have your pads on. You don't have your helmet on. It's a different thing, right? There's players who are quicker on the field and there's people like there's players who are slower on the field, right? If you put a track star in the NFL and put them in pads, they're still not, they're not going to be probably as fast as one of the faster NFL players. I think there's just like, I think there's kind of a misconception about speed and actual play speed, uh, if that makes any sense. Well, look at the Giants signing of John Ross, right? And I feel like since he hasn't really had that many good seasons in the NFL, he's kind of just known for one of the fastest, if not the fastest, 40 times in NFL history since they've started the 40-yard dash. Um, And that's really what he's known for. He's known as the fastest player in the NFL due to his 40 time. So it's like, if you don't produce, you don't know, um, right? I mean, and and then you'd say, who's the fastest player in the NFL? You say Tyreek Hill, because on the field, 
he's been able to produce and he shows you when he's running to the end zone and gets a 75 yard touchdown is because he is so fast on the field. You're not going to, if, if you ask me right now, who's the fastest player in the NFL, I would have to say Tyree Hill because I'm watching him score touchdowns and go extremely fast on the field. And Alex, that's what you're saying with the pads on with, you know, the pressure of catching the ball and making it to the end zone. Tyree Hill is the best at that when, when we're seeing who's the fastest player in the NFL. Yeah, and another example, Daniel Jones, right? He didn't have a crazy 40 time, and he was running as quick as Lamar Jackson um, during this past season. So, again, there's all sorts of different factors. Um, but we're not going to talk about speed in the NFL versus speed in the combine for the whole episode. Um, if you want to listen to that, I don't know. Go find someone on YouTube there. Um, but the next kind of big piece of news, we have the main free agent signing. Obviously, there was minor ones. We'll touch on those as well. But Danny Shelton, nose tackle, former Lion, former Patriot, former Brown, um, is going to be the replacement for Dalvin Tomlinson. He signed the other day. Um, it, I believe the figures came out. It's one year, $1 million, cheap deal. Um, or it's a one, I believe it's $1 million base with like 900K in incentives, something like that. Um, mm-hmm. So that that it's kind of good that we have a replacement. He's not the same as Dalvin Tomlinson. He can't rush the passer really. He's there for those third and shorts, those goal line stands, those plays where you know they're running the football and he can hopefully jam up that run game. Um, And I think he'll be good at that. He has connections to Joe Judge. Obviously he was in New England for a couple years. Um, But besides that, I don't think he's the greatest player. I think he's more of a fill in the gap player and hopefully Maybe we draft someone later in the draft in the later rounds who could be a longer term replacement. Maybe not someone uh, who could start right away, but uh, a nice person who could fill in there. Um, you know, kind of like Dalvin Tomlinson. Obviously, he was what a third round pick a couple a few years ago. Um, but it's kind of sad to see him go. It's like it, it was kind of weird for me when Dalvin Tomlinson left. I almost like didn't believe it, and then once they made this signing, it, like kind of sunk in again. Um, mm-hmm. but uh, that was kind of sad, but, uh, I'm glad we have a replacement and we also have Austin Johnson there. I'm not sure if he can really play the n- nose tackle position, but you know, we've seen him at that position before as well. Yeah. Um, here, Alex, I had the figures on it. Danny Shelton, D tackle, nose tackle signs a one-year deal with the New York giants, uh, veteran salary benefit base, 990,000, $987,500 cap hit. Uh, and then the other signing that was a little bit more money, um, guard, Zach Fulton, signed a one-year deal, also a veteran salary benefit, $1.075 million, $987,500 cap hit. Uh, Zach Fulton, who is a guard, he's played left guard, right guard. I think he also played a little bit of center with the Chiefs and the Texans. Um, so he's another veteran that we're bringing in here. Danny Shelton, if you want to see, we made a video uh, about the signing a little bit ago on the Giant Take YouTube channel. So we have that as well if you wanted to go check that out. Um, Alex, anything else before we move on to some three other guys that we signed? Is Zach Fulton actually comes in, played all 16 games for the Texans last season at guard. Um, you know, I think a nice solid depth piece there. Um, and I think, you know, he's our highest rated lineman, according to PFF, my friends at PFF. Um, but yeah, so maybe he will be good for us. Maybe he starts over Shane Lemieux. Maybe we draft a guard who knows. Uh, but as of right now, he's definitely a nice piece to add to the offensive line. Yeah, and I think the people upstairs, whatever happening, I'm hearing some loud banging upstairs. I don't know if you – did you catch that, Alex? They, they're like – no, you didn't. They're lining up. I think they're they're having like a Zach Fulton. They're practicing 
him on the offensive line or something. I don't know. Just wanted to make that aware to everyone. If you were watching or listening, I don't know if you heard that, but that was a, that was loud. Uh, anyway, Giants have also signed a few special teams guys from the Titans. Um, and we'll, we'll go to that now. So defensive back shares my name. Appreciate it, Josh. Joshua Clue, uh, defensive back Chris Milton, and tight end Cole uh, Hikutini. I hope I'm saying that correctly. Um, they play with Adore Jackson, Logan Ryan, in Tennessee. You have that connection there. You have Joe Judge, who's a special teams coordinator at one point. Probably wants to bring in some special teams. Got to make the Giants special teams the number one special teams in the NFL. Um, so, so a few other signings there. Probably will make the roster if they do make the. Probably will make the roster if. Excuse me. If they do make the roster, it'll probably be for special teams. There you go. Uh, I don't think uh, Mr. Uh, uh, Hikutini is going to be one of our starting tight ends. If they make it, they'll probably be for special teams. Uh, Alex, I'm not even going to ask your thoughts on those signings because I'm sure you have nothing to add there. But we'll go to the next topic, and that's going to be the NFL. They say yes to adding a Week 17. We are excited about it uh, because the Giants will be facing the Miami Dolphins. I like that matchup. Kind of interesting. Um, and it already sets up our schedule a little bit. We have a We have a – Little info on who are going to be playing in that Week 17 game. There won't be, and I like this too, there won't be any 500 uh, end-of-season records. No 8 and 8s, right? Um, you know, I just, it's it's nice. But uh, it's going to be tough now having to say like 10 and 7 is our final record. Uh, you know, if it if it is. I'm not predicting that at all. But, you know, it's going to be interesting adding that, that 17th game. But, um I mean, there is some draft stuff. Alex, do you want to cover that, I guess? Yeah, um, before we get to that, obviously the NFL, all the uh, owners voted for it, except for the Chicago Bears because no one wants to see them play an extra game of football. I just put that one in there. Um, heard it somewhere else. I stole it, so I'm sorry, but I just wanted to put it in there. Um, with the draft, there was a whole big trade with three different teams, the 49ers and the Dolphins. Um, the Dolphins trade down, the Eagles trade down, and the 49ers move up. Uh, basically, the original picks were the 49ers had the 12th pick, um, the Eagles had the 6th pick, and the Dolphins had the 3rd pick. Um, and basically, Dolphins went down to number 6, Eagles went down to number 12, and the 49ers jumped both of them to go to number 3. Um, and that, that's basically how it is now. So I'll read off how the picks are now. So number 1, the Jaguars, then the Jets. Then you'll have the 49ers, Falcons, Bengals, uh, Dolphins from the Eagles at six, Lions, Panthers, Broncos, Cowboys, Giants, and then Eagles will be slotted right behind us at number 12. Um, so that's how the new draft order shakes up. And there's obviously been some pick exchanges for the future. Um, the Eagles getting another first-round pick for trading back in 2022, I believe. So that's good for them. I, I don't really have any thoughts about the trade. I mean, it clearly shows that the 49ers want a quarterback. It clearly shows that the Eagles don't fancy any of the wide receivers. Um, and mm -hmm. the Dolphins, you know, just doing good business again, moving from three to six, probably taking the same player at six that they would have at three. Yeah, uh, and we we touch on it in the mock draft. I'm sorry, I have to keep going to it, but it, I mean, we we did, and the Eagles still end up in a wide, with a wide receiver actually in our in our thing, and and I it is, I I have to say the Dolphins are looking very good if they're able to rebuild this team correctly. Um, I think it looks really good for them right now. Uh, I, I do have to be honest, and I guess we'll go before we have our interview with um, Pat Leonard. We'll go to 
who, yeah, I didn't even mention that. I, I kind of just threw that in there without even saying anything. You probably saw it in the title, but uh, we do have an interview with New York Daily News writer for the New York Giants, Pat Leonard, um, coming up in a little bit in a minute or two. But I just didn't uh, mention in the beginning. But we have a few mock drafts to go over as we do every episode. Uh, just two I picked for this one. Uh, but Chris Trapasso from CBS Sports picked Devontae Smith, wide receiver Alabama, going to the Giants. Uh, and this is after all the free agent signings as well. I should mention that. Um, and then Vinny Iyer, I hope I'm pronouncing his last name correctly, from Sporting News, picked another wide receiver. This one is actually quite interesting to me. Jalen Waddle, wide receiver from Alabama. So both wide receivers from Alabama. But Waddle now I feel like has jumped really far uh, in mock drafts, like into the top 10 a lot of the time. So that's very interesting that he still has – um, Iyer still has him going to the Giants at 11. That, that's quite interesting to me. Um, you know, those two guys, I feel like both wide receivers slash the tight end, Kyle Pitts and Jalen Waddell have, you know, come from the middle before free agency. I feel like after free agency or maybe even a little before they've kind of jumped into that top 10 range. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Alex, any final thoughts before we throw it to the interview? Um, you know, nothing really else that we want to cover right now. Obviously, there was the press conference with John Mara yesterday. We'll definitely discuss that with Pat Leonard um, because he was obviously there as well. So hopefully he can <laughs> give us some extra insight onto what happened there. But there was definitely some a little bit of juicy news there. Um, but we're not going to talk about it yet because we're going to save it for the interview. But besides that, um, we're getting closer and closer to the draft season. Um, you know, as it gets closer to the draft, we'll have more mock drafts. We'll probably do a 2.0, hopefully a 3.0 before the draft starts. Um, but yeah, I think that's all. And I guess we'll go to our interview with Pat Leonard. Welcome back. We are now joined by Pat Leonard. This is his second time on the podcast. Came on in September, um, episode 38, and now we're here um, in our 80s. I think it's 86 now, uh, Alex. Um, New York Giants, NFL writer uh, for the New York Daily News. Pat, how's it going today? Doing great, Josh. Thanks for having me on, man. Yeah, we're excited to have you on. Um, Alex and I really wanted to talk to you, and I think this is a perfect time for you to come on because you were able to um, ask John Mara a few questions yesterday. And I just want to start out by kind of asking you, I guess, what were the big things that you kind of took out of that press conference? Well, the fact that, you know, Mara is tired of losing as he has been for years and that that was one of the major driving forces behind the giant spending almost $100 million in guaranteed money this offseason when they really went into the offseason in full rebuild mode, and that's the mode they were in last year. Yeah, they were 6-10 and 10 and ended up being close to winning a bad division, but, you know, they try to win games every year, but with Joe Judge in his first season, the Giants were, they were all pulling in the direction more of let's build for the long haul, let's draft and develop, you know, they knew that those years of trying to rebuild on the fly while trying to win at the same time with Eli Manning, they had made a mistake there. It actually dug them further into a hole. So last year, it seemed like they had finally bought into this idea of, and this is John Maron down, this is going to take some patience. It's going to take some time. What he told us yes, or yesterday or th- um, Wednesday, I should say, is that it's, you know, enough, enough of this patience idea. They want to win now. 
They want to go and win the NFC East. They actually have no excuse now not to. When an NFL team spends this kind of money, you have to. And I, what I also took away from it was Mara and the Giants want fans to come back to the building. They want, to come, they want fans to come back into MetLife Stadium. And I think that the major motivation behind this also was we want to give fans a product that they feel excited about coming back in person into MetLife Stadium to see us play. So we'll see if that was wise or not. It may not have been uh, a smart risk to take based on how it will affect them down the road in 22 as far as the salary cap and finances go. Uh, But certainly what I took from John Mara was that he doesn't regret and he is glad that the Giants seized the opportunity, as he said, and put all their eggs in the basket of 2021. Yeah, I kind of found that like reversal kind of a little bit interesting how he was talking about, I remember last year, they wanted to slow it down. They wanted to rebuild the team. But now it seems like we're taking the same shortcut that we did in 2016. Um, you know, maybe not exactly the, the same situation, but, you know, he did mention quite a few times because when I listened to the uh, press conference, he did mention a lot of times that the people they were, uh, the players we brought in were young players. He emphasized that a lot. Um, but, he kind of seemed a little bit concerned about the cap situation um, going forward. Um, and that's something he mentioned multiple times. Yeah, no, it's a good point about the youth, except Kenny Galladay is 27. So yeah, he's not 31, but he's not 24. Um, you know, Dory Jackson's 25 years old. Kyle Rudolph's not a young guy. I mean, a dependable red zone threat, but not young. And, you know, one of my colleagues, Jordan Ronan, brought up a question to John, which was, you also paid money to guys who have injury risks, who did not play a lot of games last year. So, yes, yeah, there's some youth there, but let's not ignore the idea that they took a chance on a lot of these guys, young or older, to win now. And, yeah, you're, you're right on the head, too, Alex, when you say that he mentioned and talked a lot about the salary cap. I think he used the word – he said we're desperately hoping – Um, that the salary cap goes up next year. So this is something important because so when they sign Kenny Galladay to that deal, they give a Dory Jackson that contract. I can tell you Mara and the Giants, and this is the NFL too, they're all expecting the 2023 cap to skyrocket. Like that's the year they're expecting it to go up. So when they build in, say, like this four-year $72 million deal on Kenny Galladay, they hope if the player works out, they feel like that contract won't look bad at all. It might actually look good compared to what receivers are getting paid in 2023. The issue, though, is 2022 in the middle there. And also whether the Giants are able to win with a player and players like this at that cost. Because if people don't come back to the stadiums this year and the cap goes up minimally next season, I did the math on this just actually an hour ago or so. It's $119 million on the Giants cap for their top seven players in 2022. That is a ton of money to spend on guys who don't even account for one side of the ball on your team as far as the starters are concerned. And that's not even including the quarterback, Daniel Jones, who will be up for a contract extension if the Giants want to give him one. And that's not including Saquon Barkley, who, of course, there's questions about whether the Giants are even going to pay him. So, of course, the asterisk on all this, guys, obviously, is 
maybe the Giants are right and they win. And maybe fans come back. Maybe they go to the playoffs. And maybe this works out in their favor. So it certainly could. But what gets me is, you know, it's it, we haven't even had the draft yet. So it's too early to say it's not going to work out or it is. What it is fair to say now, though, is this was a dramatic change in the direction of where they were headed, uh, motivated by their restlessness and also by the business of wanting people to come back to the stadium. So, I mean, we went over the cap and the situations with that. I mean, I think I want to shift towards the signings. I mean, just your overall, you've had some time, obviously, by now to write about it, digest the signings. You had John Mara talking about them. What, I mean, what are your thoughts on the signs of Adoree Jackson, Kenny Galladay, Kyle Rudolph? Do you have a favorite or, you know, anything of that? Well, this is one thing that stuck in my mind this morning when I went over the math of it. Next, in 2022, Adoree Jackson's cap hit will be $15.5 million. That is actually mm. higher than Blake Martinez's will be that year. Blake Martinez, one of the most important players of this team, in the middle and the heart of the defense. I find that just astounding to believe. Now, listen, I could be wrong. Adoree Jackson might be worth every penny. But if I'm paying him that, I'll tell you what, he better be playing offense, defense, and special teams if I'm paying Adoree Jackson $15 million on my salary cap. So, you know, I'm skeptical about that. Uh, listen, I don't hate the, uh, the Kenny Galladay signing at all. I mean, as far as, like, I think I wrote a column three weeks prior to the signing where I just said, you can't just get a receiver in the draft right now. You got to go get not only a big-bodied guy, but a player like a Galladay who's already shown you he can play in the NFL. Because if you want Daniel Jones to grow in 21, you need a guy who can help him now. So I have no problem with them or going and getting him. What I have a problem with with the Galladay signing is paying him the money they did when he lingered on the market and the only – competition they ended up really having for him was the Bears. Now, I can tell you that even though the Bears never made the kind of offer the Giants did, there was a belief that they were going to, that they were going to clear more space. That's why you saw like a guy like Akeem Hicks. He's staying in Chicago, but remember that there were rumors that he might get traded too, and then Fuller was on the market and eventually released. That was all designed to clear space for Galladay if he agreed to sign Chicago. So the Giants had the threat of Chicago clearing that money to sign him, and they just acted to lock him up. But that said, I just thought they overextended themselves to that player. But in answer to your question, prioritizing red zone targets like Rudolph and Galladay and going after those types of players, I like that idea. But what I don't like, prioritizing really isn't the right word because – I know for a fact, I know this was ESPN reported this first, but I know this to be true. Leonard Floyd was their guy on day one of the negotiating period on Monday, the edge rusher from the Rams. They went hard after him and lost to the Rams who ended up locking him up on a big deal. So the money they gave went and gave to Galladay, or you could say the money they gave to Adoree Jackson, that was supposed to go to Leonard Floyd up front. Then they moved on days later to some of these other signings. They also, I didn't know this to be true, but I trust Jordan's reporting that Hunter Henry was their target early on, and then he mm -hmm. ended up signing with the Patriots. So then Rudolph was a secondary option there. Now, Hunter Henry's injury risk too. So 
there's injury risk there as well. But, you know, it, sometimes it can be discouraging that, uh, you know, when the Giants are a team that isn't landing their first options and has to be has to go on to plan B kind of deal. Um, I guess I'm most skeptical about the Adoree Jackson signing and, you know, my favorite, and I also hate the Mike Glennon, Colt McCoy signing, <laughs> even though it might come out in the wash. Uh, but mm. the exchange there, I don't like it at all. Uh, you know, I, in the end, I think the Kenny Galladay addition was necessary. Um, I don't like what they had to pay to get him, but I do think it was necessary for them to add that kind of piece. And going back to uh, Mara's press conference again, Saquon Barkley, the news was all over about what he said about, you know, there's no need to sign him right now. We'll wait. We expect him to be a giant for the rest of his career, but then not really indicating that by not wanting to sign him. So not really telling the truth quite clearly, either one way or the other. Uh, He's not locked in to be a giant. Um, Do you think he's going to be re-signed or are they really waiting to see this entire season? Can he stay healthy? I think Mara's direct comment that they're in no hurry to do it was the beginning of a fight, I think. And um, I don't think we're at it's the fight hasn't started yet, maybe, but that was like the bell ringing, basically, because you think about it. When we talked to Mara at the um, early January, like January 4th, he made similar comments to, you know, we we have full confidence he'll get healthy. We want him to be a giant for a long time. And then he left it there and he could have done that yesterday or Wednesday. He could have just said, you know. You know, we're not there yet. You know, we want to, we hope to lock him up in the future. We haven't started those conversations yet. We'll see. He didn't have to say, uh, we're in no hurry to get to that. And think about it too. You're Saquon Barkley. You're looking from afar in LA where you're working out or whatever. And you're watching the Giants spend $100 million in free agency on people. And then the owner said, yeah, you know, we'll pay all these guys. But Saquon, you know, we're not really in any rush to do that. I mean, that is not reading between the lines or reading something that I want to hear. That is, that is a real life that a, that a guy like Barkley or his representation or anyone looks at and says, that's interesting. Um, you know, listen, I don't blame the Giants for taking a stand right now on we're in no hurry because, frankly, Saquon's an explosive player, but he's not a three-down player right now. He can't pass protect. Um, and he's gotten injured. He, couldn't, he hasn't been able to stay healthy. So, uh, you know, I, I, when they drafted Barkley number two, I, I was one of the people leading the charge on, you know, what are you doing not trading back four spots and drafting Quentin Nelson or whatever? You know, why are you drafting a running back at two? You know, again, he's a talented player. But as far as the investment goes, it was interesting, actually. Here's Don Mara, the guy who authorized drafting Saquon Barkley number two overall a few years ago. Yesterday, he's talking about how this is a passing league. I mean, talk about an about face, you know, so. I think that is no certainty that Saquon Barkley is going to be here long term. I think John Maris saying they're in no hurry twice in that answer was intentional. Um, and I think we'll see where it goes. I mean, certainly we've seen with Odell Beckham Jr. with the Giants, Dak Prescott with the Cowboys. You can get a big contract while you're hurt or when you're coming off an injury. You know, it doesn't mean you can't get that deal. Um, but Saquon's not a quarterback. He hasn't had the kind of production that Odell had going into the, that big contract he ended up getting. And we'll see. I mean, I, 
the the unanswered question is at this moment, what does Saquon think about this? Because, you know, I know going into last year, I didn't think he would play a down to football in 2021 without a new contract after his third season. But now with the injury, you know, I'm sure he has some level of understanding that he's got to show them he's healthy. Now, the Giants may want to see him in the game. Barkley might think it's okay well enough to just show him on the practice field. You know, who knows how that's going to go. But this is not nothing, I guess, is that the best way I could say it is it's not nothing that Maris said that. Just before we wrap up, I want to ask one more question when it comes to the draft. Um, Alex has really noted on this. I think, Alex, in like the past two episodes or in, in one of the YouTube videos that last year we kind of knew it was going to be offensive line. There were some questions. Maybe they go defense, D-line. D now, since we have Kenny Galladay signed, it's really a wide open book for who the Giants could pick at 11 if they trade back, whatever it is. Um, you know, there's many mock drafts with many different people going. We have we did a mock draft uh, today. Actually, the video came out. We had Micah Parsons going at 11. Just from what you're hearing from, you know, the, the Giants scouts, Joe Judge, um, you know, the people from the Giants, obviously at the pro days. Who do you think they're going to take at 11? Do you, is there anyone that stands out to you right now? Um, I think it's still open-ended to how the board falls. I think Parsons is a guy they could take if he falls there. I think Penny Sewell from Oregon is a guy they could take if he falls there. I think one of the corners, Sertain or J.C. Horn's a guy they could take if he falls there. You know, I don't have a read yet on whether the receivers are, like, out of their mind at this point or whether it depends on which one falls there. You know, like right now, I don't think Pitts or Jamar Chase comes anywhere near them. So then the question is, you know, Waddle or Smith, would they take one of them over a lineman or a corner or an edge rusher? I don't know. Um, I do know that Joe Judge made a point to go in person to the Penn State and Miami Pro Days where the feature presentations were pass rushers and linebackers. So, uh, you know, there are some who believe that it doesn't really matter who's at what pro day. I am here to tell you it matters, especially this year. This year, coaches and GMs, listen, you can get a plenty of information on some guys. Some guys, especially if they have character flags, injury concerns, or they didn't play in 2020, you know, uh, like Parsons, who was an opt-out. These are guys that these coaches want to see, you know, they want to see them in person. And when they go and see them, it means something because, you know, just like with uh, Rob Sale, their O-line coach was at Notre Dame working out the linemen. Jerome Henderson, their D-backs coach, was at Georgia working out the Georgia DBs. Not every college is letting them get hands on players. And, you know, with COVID protocols and everything, and there's a limit to how many coaches you can send to each one or representatives in general. So when Judge and his staff decide to go somewhere specifically and get their hands on players, that should tell you something. It does tell you something. Like, take note of it. Write it down. Remember it when Liam Eichenberg is still on the board in the second round. You know, remember it when Micah Parsons is still on the board at 11. These are guys the Giants went out of their way to go scout. Now, the, the other part of the answer that I started with, though, is how the board falls. I here's what I think. I think I'm going to I could plug here. I'm going to start doing a mock draft a week, either next Monday or Tuesday up to the draft. I think there are going to be 10, five quarterbacks in the top 10. 
So that's why I think the board is so open-ended for the Giants right now. It's not just that, like, I'm not deflecting on my answer. I'm telling you it depends. Do the Broncos and Cowboys both go corner? Or does one of them go with Parsons? Do the Bengals go with Jamar Chase, which is what I think will happen? Or will they go Penny Sewell, which is what I think should happen? You know, like, will the Falcons take a quarterback, which they need for the long term? Or will they take Kyle Pitts, who is an absolute freak? You know, these are the things that will determine what the Giants do. Last thing I would add, Todd McShay dropped a mock this morning that meant that had the Giants trading back from 12 to 15 with the Patriots and taking Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa from Notre Dame. I think there is a that is a terrific guess. Like I I look at that and I say I nod my head like of course that could happen. Not only because of the Belichick connection and Judge, not only because maybe the you don't see the value at 11 for who you're drafting, but you see better value at 15. You also are a team in the Giants who needs more draft picks to build up a younger roster. But also Wusu Koromoa, he's athletic. He can cover in space. They run a 3-4. They need more linebackers. And also Kyle O'Brien, their senior personnel exec. He was literally, I don't know if you guys saw it, on NBC, he was throwing the passes out into coverage to Owusu Koromoa. He was the person throwing him the ball. Now, in all these pro days, there are plenty of days and times that it happens where a guy worked out a player like that and he has nothing to do with him on draft day. So it doesn't mean they're definitely drafting him. It does mean, though, that they wanted to be close enough to him to see how he moved, to see how he plays. And it's something you should remember when draft day rolls around. So, you know, the, here's, finally, I would tighten up that question and answer with this. They are looking hard at pass rushers and linebackers. That is, without a doubt, something they are doing. Whether that means they're drafting that 11 could depend how the board falls. But they are spending a lot of time at that position. And whether it's first or second round, I think you should expect linebacker, pass rusher to be a part of the equation. But do not forget offensive line and corner either. Because their O-line is not a finished product. It is not. It is not done for 2021. So many options. There is really so many options you can go with in this draft. Uh, And we really appreciate you joining us on this episode of the Giant Take Podcast. You can go follow Pat Leonard on Twitter at PLeonardNYDN. Go subscribe to the Giant Take wherever you're listening, especially on YouTube. Drop a like on this video. Follow us on Twitter at the Giant Take Pod. Uh, And we will see you in another episode of the Giant Take Podcast. See you next time. Welcome to the All 80s Movies Podcast. I'm Bill. And I'm Jason. And this is the podcast where we talk about the blockbusters, the flops, and everything in between from one of the freshest decades for movies, the 1980s. So whether you're a brain, a jock, a valley girl, or a Jedi, we've got some 80s classics for you. Do these movies stand the test of time? 
Are we discovering something new? Is there an 80s movie we're finally watching for the first time? Join us each week as we dive into the cinematic nostalgia that inspired and influenced a generation. From the hits to the cult classics, we'll discuss our earliest memories, favorite scenes, fun facts, and our not-so-favorite movie moments, too. It's the All 80s Movies Podcast, now available on all major streaming platforms. Please subscribe and happy listening.